Magazines and Monsters, Episode 61, The Legend of Boggy Creek from 1972. primitive river-bottom wilderness in southern Arkansas, along with deer, duck, crane, and beaver, lurks a creature that walks upright. Whether it is a man, a monster, or a myth, no one really knows. What we do know is the people around Falk, Arkansas, say they have seen such a creature nearly 250 times since 1954. And that this creature, whatever it is, emits one of the most terrifying sounds ever recorded. Everybody, Billy D, aka Doc Strange, here back with another recording for the show. And this is going to be another fun film discussion because I have a brand new guest to the show and a film and a genre of films I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Uh, they're near and dear to my heart because when I was a kid, they scared the living crap out of me. And I still uh, love to go back and visit them every once in a while. So uh, please welcome to the show uh, my good buddy from Twitter. Mr. John Turley. How are you, John? I'm doing pretty good today. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. So you and I have been friends on Twitter for quite a while, and we do share a love for a certain uh, aspect and genre in films. And I don't know, I guess I never heard the term when I was a kid, but I guess nowadays people just refer to a lot of these monsters as cryptids. Um, but yeah, good stuff, man. I really, really love that uh, genre in films and books and stuff like that. So how about you? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I got into it as a kid, obviously it was during the seventies, like when this movie came out, well, I'm not quite that old, but, uh, I was two when this movie came out, but later on when I, you know, was watching TV, the $6 million man, obviously was a huge, uh, influence. Mm. We all love that show. Uh, and there was the famous, probably my obvious, uh, my favorite two episodes was the two-parter with Andre the Giant playing uh, Bigfoot and uh, Steve Austin, the $6 million man, had to take him on in a fight. And of course, they ended up being friends. And then uh, there was Saturday morning cartoons, Bigfoot and Wild Boy, uh, the show Isis, which was about the Egyptian goddess, uh, the girl who was like a superhero. She mm -hmm. had... So where it was sort of a Bigfoot kind of creature, 
uh, it turned out to be the same guy that was playing Bigfoot in in uh, some of the other shows, but uh, not the same. But it was all over the place. Plus, if you were into anything cryptid back then, you watched In Search of, and I'll never forget. It was on Sunday nights, and I'd watch it with my mother, uh, who I have uh, have to give credit for to getting me into all this because. We started with Star Trek, ended up with in, the cryptids and In Search Of and things like that. But In Search Of had several episodes about Bigfoot and other creatures, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, and all those things. So as a kid, we were kind of, you know, there was quite a bit of it on TV back then. And it was really, you know, as you're growing up, you're not sure, is that true? I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I, I loved this kind of stuff. I ate it up. And like you said, I can remember seeing I'm not sure if it was in the first run or if it was in syndication. But, yeah, that six million dollar man was great. And I didn't realize at the time either, because as I, you know, was growing up as a little kid, I love pro wrestling as well. So I didn't realize that was Andre the Giant until like many, many years later. And I was like, whoa, that makes it so much more cool. <laughs> I have I have something to share. I knew we were going to talk about this. So I just wanted to bring this with me and have this. over here. This is the. Andre the Giant in the Bigfoot costume action figure. Wow. WWE put out. Um, pretty awesome. They they were in Walmart for like five seconds. And then uh, you can find them all over eBay. They're pretty pricey anymore. But you can still get one for relatively cheap, about 40 bucks on eBay. If you really want one. Well, but yeah, that's, that's not bad. Yeah. It's really cool if you want. I mean, nostalgia-wise, it's priceless to me. So, mm. yeah, that's great. But yeah, I mean that that just. I mean, we can kind of get into it here. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Legend of Boggy Creek from 1972, which arguably is probably the 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 most beloved. I would say of uh, all those films. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Uh, as far as all those early 70s Bigfoot movies, um, I would say that's the. That's the one that people talk about the most, the one that got them into it the most, the ones that they remember the most, uh, has the most scenes that are, you know, iconic and things like that. So, yeah, it's kind of a granddaddy. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you mentioned In Search Of, too. That was another one I watched as well. And Oh, man, that had me just enthralled because, like you said, especially if you're a kid, you know, you don't you don't have any uh, built-in uh, cynicism yet in your brain. So anytime somebody puts something out there and y you feel like it could even have, you know, a grain of truth to it, you're like, wow. And you really, you know, have more of an open mind towards that stuff. And that definitely was me as a kid, because like you said, I, well, man, I watched every one of these movies that would come on TV uh, in search of any kind of, uh, you know, uh, aliens, anything that it was like, you know, portrayed as hey maybe this is real maybe it's not but you know decide for yourself kind of thing i love that kind of stuff i ate it up how about you oh absolutely it was um those like i said those were the highlights um of growing up as a kid and then um when you got to see those uh like you said when those episodes would come on and you know and um you'd get to see the reruns and you'd just be like or totally hyped if they would show, you know, like if anything new would come out. Like I do remember, uh, I mentioned before the the Bigfoot and Wild Boy thing. It was a Sid and Marty Croft show, and it came on on Saturday morning. So 
you got to have your you know the famous uh bowl of cereal with the bigfoot show um every week every saturday so that was a that was a definite plus Mm, yeah absolutely and yeah this one too i mean uh, when i saw a movie like this when i was a kid it, it doesn't it didn't stand out to me as cheaply made or expensive or anything like that i just you know i just assumed like oh well this was probably made in hollywood with you know a pretty good budget and all that kind of stuff but <laughs> you know when the internet came around or you, you read some books you'd see that's not quite the case here and uh we have our dir- <laughs> dir- director and producer charles b pierce uh he did another one of my favorite uh, 1970s films too we can talk about that one in a, in a minute but uh yeah he uh, you know it was like basically an advertising advertising salesman and uh, he got uh, some money from a local trucking company. They invested in it, and he hired a bunch of local people. And uh, the film was made for $160,000, which in 1972 w- was nothing to sneeze at as far as, you know, a dollar amount. But, you know, when you look at what the film made, it made $20 million. So that was a huge return on investment. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Um, and I'm just thinking about, you know, some of the other uh, movies, you know, lower budget movies that were made. Uh, you know, the one that jumps out to me at the time was uh, The Walking Dead, which was actually made over um, around your neck of the woods, right? Oh, Night of the Living Dead. Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, that was PA. And uh, that was... Uh, like roughly from what I remember about $64,000 or something to that effect what it took to make that movie. Um, But it's kind of, I was thinking about that earlier, the way he, uh, the way Charles Pierce, uh, he got lucky when he got that money. I mean, he kind of sweet talked it. And then um, he got the, a lot of the locals to star in it. Um, Mm -hmm. Big time lightning in a bottle, like the, the best example of it I think I've ever seen, uh, as like you said, as in far of uh, investment returns. Yeah, yeah, you're not kidding because I know years ago I remember reading that people made a really big deal, and it is uh, over John Carpenter's Halloween that it was made, you know, by by a very small company, and he basically made it for you know maybe like a million, little over a million dollars, and it made twenty million dollars. Okay, that's that's a huge return on investment there, but this was made for like one tenth of the budget Halloween was <laughs> had, and it still made twenty million dollars. So that's 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 huge. And uh, in the the book um, I'm reading uh, that goes along with this movie, and it's if you haven't read it, and if anybody's interested in in being up to date on. Uh, <clears throat> anything that has to do with boggy creek this book by lyle blackburn um it's called the beast of boggy creek everything you ever wanted to know about this movie and this that whole story is in this book uh but there's a he talks about in there that that they're not sure exactly how much that movie made the estimates are between like you said 20 and up to 100 million dollars wow now i don't know if that's if that's including like, you know, merchandising and things like that, or just, you know, uh, how it's continues to make money to this day, they just came out with this new, uh, 4d version. So that, you know, there's somebody still making money off of this movie. So, um, 
pretty mm-hmm. and pretty incredible. Yeah, it's not it, like you said. It's almost a lightning in a bottle type thing. It was the right time for that movie to come out, but I feel like you know, like you said, they're still putting out you know DVD, Blu-ray kind of combinations. Like very recently, that tells you there's still money to be made on something that was again on a hundred sixty thousand dollar budget in nineteen seventy two. That's extraordinary. That's like <laughs> you can't believe it. Absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, we said about uh, Charles Pierce, and then uh, the writer was Earl E. Smith. Um, and like like we said too early, I mean, you had a lot of local people uh, that were in this film, so it wasn't a lot of you know uh, professional actors and stuff like that. But even that being said, I thought it was pretty good. You know, when you you know every film has its shortcomings, but when you look at you know the budget for this film and how it was kind of you know put together uh, with that budget. I think it's a pretty good movie. It's still a really a lot of fun. There's only one nitpick I have, but again, when I talk about that nitpick, it can go back to the budget as well. It's not like, well, they should have done better with the budget they had in that aspect. Like they did a really, really good job for one hundred sixty thousand uh, dollars. And I'll wait till we get to that point, but I'm wondering if it's the same nitpick like most people have. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, well, we'll get into it here. So, yeah, there, like I said, there's a lot of local people in this one. Um, and But, yeah, right, like, I'm sorry, I said uh, director, producer, and even cinematographer was Charles Pierce. So he was really the driving force behind this one, and it was uh, released in August of 1972. Running time's around 87 minutes, and, uh, yeah, like I said, $160,000 budget and made, I would say, at the low end, at least $20 million. So that, to me, just blows my mind. I just, I can't even believe that. <laughs> it's wild. Pretty incredible. Yeah, and he shot this, you know, I think the term is a docudrama, where um, it's, you have him uh, shooting this movie, and parts of it are reenactments of people's experiences and also there are some scenes where it's almost like interview style about, you know, well, what did you see? When did this happen? Kind of thing like a documentary. So I think that's how you get the docudrama there. But I think it flows pretty good uh, being that style of movie, because I feel like if he would have tried to just make this, you know, in, in a regular film and not that style, I'm not sure if it would have, you know, been as good or be as well remembered. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with that completely, and I, I think the uh, the way it was shot like that, um, it also adds to the aspect of uh, what you were talking about earlier. When you're you're sitting there as a as a kid in the '70s, and you're looking at, it and you're like, man, this this is almost like a news report at, at some points. Uh, like he's, you know, you're not sure. Like some of it actually looks like they were there. You know, you're talking about the reenactments um, about how. Um, realistic it was and how the people who are not actors are kind of you know awkward and and saying the repeating things over and over again or or just kind of seem out of place where they're at uh and it kind of you're looking at it like those are real those are kind of real people and this is you know like spot on like what's going on here these people are actually scared and screaming and uh so that that whole docudrama thing kind of adds to the to the believability of it. And uh, I think it gave it that more, uh, that spookier kind of aspect that, that kind of uh, got it playing on all the, those late night, uh, 
the weekend late night host shows like you know Spangoli and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean this takes place too uh, in in a, a small town in Arkansas called Falk, and that's where we get this Falk monster uh, from. And I can tell you, I was not too far from this place on a trip back in 2018, and I could kick myself that I didn't just take a slight little detour over to Falk to. Uh, just say I was there. Uh, I was in Texarkana, so I wasn't too far <laughs> away from there. I was like, man, I should have went there. I was supposed to go to uh, Texarkana. Uh, no, I take that back. I was supposed to go to um, Shreveport for mm-hmm. a uh, training in last year. And I can't remember exactly what month. I want to say it was. It was the week before the Falk Monster Festival. Mm. Um, unfortunately, my I think my wife got sick. It was because of COVID. I mean, it, yeah. one, of us, one of us got it or both of us or whatever. And so I had to cancel the trip. Um, but I was going to go down there. And I mean, that was the whole trip. I mean, it was like you you get to go to this uh, it was a play therapy conference which i love going to those uh, i work with kids so uh, i learned new uh, aspects of play therapy but that would have been great but then to go from there to uh right down to falc and then probably would have stayed together you know the next for the next week for the falc uh, monster festival um that was the whole plan of the trip like yeah i get to go and do stuff for work and then i get to go and do stuff for uh for what i want to do for fun <laughs> as well yeah you do you for a you lot do, of yeah you do hit up a lot of uh conventions and things like that um have you been to any of them recently uh yeah we uh let's see the last one we were at was the uh we were down in uh gatlinburg for the smoky mountain bigfoot conference uh that nice. was last month uh, that was great. I mean, that was incredible. Uh, thousands of people there. Just a huge turnout for all the, we had great speakers. It was fantastic. Um, people from Expedition Bigfoot, um, if you're familiar with that, that's the show mm-hmm. that's the current uh, hit show that's on Discovery. And um, those, Russ and, and uh, Maria Meyer um, and... Um, the other cast members were there um so it was just a lot of fun uh then next weekend we're going to be at the mothman festival in point pleasant west virginia and that is gigantic uh with the mothman uh that might be another movie you want to go over someday (laughs) the mothman (laughs) prophecies yeah, I really I've seen pictures of that uh, festival down there and that looks really cool. And that's not too terribly far for me to get down there either. I think I could be down there in my, maybe three or four hours from where I'm at. So I would love to check that out. Oh, I have if you can get if that's that close, I would go. It's it's fun. My family's from Mason County, so that one's kind of a uh, it's got a homey feel for me because my aunt lives right up the road. We're going to stay at her house and um, while we're down there. The the little town Point Pleasant goes from there's about four thousand people that live in Point Pleasant four or five thousand and then the day of the festival there's fifteen thousand people there, so it, <laughs> wow, it's pretty, yeah it it's it's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. I think I could do that in a day trip even. So to me, that's like there's no excuses there if you can do it in a day trip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you would love it. Get make If you do go down, make sure you go out to the uh, the TNT bunkers, too. So you want to kind of see that. That's part of the that's part of the fun. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. So, all right. Well, if you're ready to get started here, so normally I do like an IMDb, you know, synopsis, but, you know, John and I were talking before the recording and it's a mile long, the one they have on there. And it pretty much just says everything we're going to probably say about the film anyway. So we're just going to start out and kind of go, you know, scene by scene here and uh, talk about the film uh, without doing that, you know, uh, uh, sans the uh, synopsis. So, uh, if you're ready to get rolling, man, we can get right into it here. I'm ready. Awesome. So I will say this about this film. This opening scene, I think Pierce did a perfect job with. You start out with, you know, just uh, hearing some, you know, frogs croaking. And the screen is completely black. And you can just hear all this wildlife. And then suddenly the screen lights up. And, you know, you're basically in this, like, you know, bog or creek you know, area, swampy kind of area. And there's a camera panning around and you see all this wildlife and stuff like that. And then it's super quiet. And all of a sudden you hear this crazy loud roar. I think that is the perfect way to start this movie out. How about you? Oh yeah. He, he definitely sets the, uh, sets a good tone for this movie with that. Just, um, sucks you in with the, with the beauty of the, the natural surroundings of, that area in Arkansas and all the, the wildlife and things like that. And then boom, Hey, everything is not as it seems in Falk, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect way to open this movie. And it immediately cuts to, I don't know, maybe like a 10 year old kid uh, running through fields. And I don't know, at that point, I'm assuming he's running like that because he was somewhere near that loud roar, that scream, and he scared the crap out of him. And he's running through a field. And, man, this kid's got some uh, cojones because he uh, then uh, hops over a, like what looks like a barbed wire fence to me. I'm just like, man, that kid's uh, he's a tough little kid. That's actually that's Charles Pierce's son. Mm, OK, cool. <laughs> that's great. Uh <laughs> Yeah, and supposedly that's kind of taken from a uh, a story where one of the uh, locals, they had had an encounter with the falc monster, saw it out in the field, and she had, this mother had sent her son to Falk, and he had to run like two and a half miles into town to tell the uh, locals what was happening. Yeah, he goes running into like, I don't know if it's a barber shop or a store or something like that. And there's these three older guys and he goes in and tells them like, oh, my mom said to come get you. There's, you know, this hairy wild man down there and blah, blah, blah. And they start laughing at him. Of course, they don't believe him. They're like, yeah, get going, kid. And he's like, mom, I'm telling you. And the guy's like, listen, go, go, go home, kid. I'll come down, and check it out tomorrow. The old guy says funny scene there. Yeah. Then any mentions after that, he's like, I don't know how many times she's asked me to come down there or something about this big monster. So it kind of again, it, it it's part of that horror movie trope where it's like, well, nobody believes them. You know, all these people are, you know, telling them about the monster and the townsfolk just aren't into it yet, which is kind of disingenuous. But because they'd already, you know, supposedly knew about this thing anyways. But 
Mm-hmm. And I will say too, I I did forget to mention. I want to or I want to mention for sure is uh, a guy by the name of Vern Stearman. Uh, he's the narrator. So there are parts in the film where you know we have this uh, narration, you know, kind of letting you in on what you might not get from what you're seeing. You know, some little bits and pieces here. But I really enjoy that. That guy, first of all, the guy's got a great voice. Uh, He's a good voice for narration. And then uh, I do like how that was added into this film. I think it helps move it along at certain points, you know, so it doesn't get, you know, a little slow. How about you? Yeah. And uh, like you said, his it's one of those uh, cases of you couldn't have picked a more perfect voice actor for uh to set that kind of, he has that kind of voice that sets the sets the mood uh throughout it you know kind of uh low but not too low and uh kind of gives you that homey feel when he's talking about everything mm-hmm. so i i think it works great it really really does and <laughs> the kid kind of like goes back home and you know we get some more uh scenes of like you know nature and stuff like that here and it kind of like lulls you into you know, a, a little bit of a safety and then uh, they have a bit of monologue, but, you know, they roll the credits right before that. And um, like I said, then there's a monologue about Falk and the people and this uh, this narrator, this uh, steerman, he does a really good job of saying like, oh, you know, the town's this big and it's got this and it's got that. And then slowly gets into, you know, and it has something else about it that's unique, too. And then he kind of says about this uh, Falk monster, which, again, I really like the guy's voice is great. And it just gives you enough, you know, to get you to the next scene, uh, which is really, really cool. How about that? I really like that uh, part of the movie, too, where they get into it like that. Yeah, he uh, he said he sets up the what's coming next uh, perfectly, I think, um, in in every in every one of those. I mean, when you go from when you go from uh, scene to scene and from. Basically, it's little story to little story. Um, he those narration that he has in between those, uh, I think they work out just um, they work out just right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, for all his shortcomings, maybe, and probably the budget being the biggest one, Pierce he he knew what he was doing here. He did a really really good job. I gotta admit, you know, stringing things together like it, especially with the narration added in. There were no scenes that I thought were like super slow or, you know, I, I didn't have my attention focused on the on the movie. Yeah. And, and like I said, he took several of those, um, you know, not all those uh, incidences occurred around Falk. Some of them were around uh, Jonesville as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's where that next scene that comes up is that was the story of uh, the one in jonesville if i'm not mistaken um but to to tell that to tell those stories like i said in a um it's kind of a you know a short span of time when all that stuff happened what happened in this movie and he kept it pretty true uh if i remember correctly it was uh, those stories started uh uh with some newspaper articles uh in the texarkana gazette uh mm-hmm. i believe the name was Jim Powell and he was the one that was kind of writing these stories as they as they happen so it was interesting that he you know it was good on Pierce's part he already had some some good stuff to start with uh, in that aspect um, with those newspaper 
articles. And I think that's one of the, uh, one of the um, kind of sales pitches he used when he went and talked to, I think the guy's name was Ledwell. That was the, that kind of was his backer. And he was like, you know, they're writing about this every day in this newspaper. We need to get down there and, um, and get on this. And uh, it was in a, uh, it was an uh, interesting note I picked up uh, when I was reading uh, Lyle Blackburn's book. And he was talking about a, a magazine article or it was an interview in Fangoria. And uh, all of us who are into monsters and cryptids and things like that know what Fangoria magazine is and how influential it was. This was in the 90s when they actually did this interview with uh, with Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, he he referred to um, he called the Falk monster, which is this is my favorite by far when anybody ever asked me about Bigfoot and they're like, well, what's your favorite nickname for Bigfoot? And I will always tell them my favorite name is what they call it down in the South. They call it the wood booger. And uh, that just, <laughs> I love that. I just love the idea because, I mean, that's what these, you know, they call them boogers, like the boogeyman. That's where the boogeyman comes from. But he used the term. Mm-hmm. This is how he sold it to Ledwell was, hey, I want to make this movie about this booger that keeps jumping out and scaring these people. And so uh, to me... <laughs> I just love that as a sales pitch. I want to go down there and make this movie about this booger. Um, so that's just great. I mean, that's classic. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, it, he in this beginning here, you know, he he it's very much, you know, like I said, he kind of lulls you into a bit of safety here with, you know, the shots of nature and the little kid and the old guys kind of laughing at him. And then his, you know, uh, basically the the narration parts here. And then we jump right into three different scenes in a row where we see like a trapper and his son and they spot the monster and, you know, another guy saying about how, you know, he shot it and it, it took off on two legs. And then another guy that says about killing uh, 200 pound uh, hogs. And it's it's really cool, man, because like I said, this part of the movie reminds you of like a documentary as if these people are being interviewed about experiences they had. And then, you know, at some of the later scenes we'll talk about as well, they're filmed as if, you know, it was just like a regular movie, a regular dramatic, you know, horror kind of film. So I do like that about this film quite a bit. Yeah, it puts you right in the, you know, kind of puts you right in the thick of things like you can actually. um, When the guy's talking about those hogs, um, it, it always hits home with me. I've heard this is a little bit off topic, but not much. I've heard that story from different people, even to this day. And I don't mean in that story that's in the, in this, uh, movie, uh, other people have told me they have witnessed that. Um, and I've heard it from other, like other presenters, mm-hmm. uh, Bigfoot presenters about a Sasquatch will go in and take a hog and literally like pick it up and just carry it off. I believe there was a, episode of finding bigfoot were one of uh, that was talked about but uh back to the movie um mm-hmm. it like i said it puts you right in there it, it, those those actual accounts those people you know retelling their stories like that and uh having the different um the different actors there talk about you know what happened and things like that that's you know exactly puts you in that uh spot and kind of gives you that feel of 
okay, this is real. You know, all these different people are having these different experiences. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it was, and like I said, it's definitely presented, you know, you know, like very documentary style, like almost like news newscast style when they're having some interviews and talking to some people and you're seeing like almost like reenactments sometime as well, but then there'll be the narration in the background as well with the the person saying, Hey, this is what I saw. This is what happened. And they're really good scenes. And a lot of them involve hunters that are, you know, hunters and trappers and people fishing, because again, they're out in the thick of it out there where, you know, this uh, monster had been seen. uh, And that's like over the course of like, even at that point, maybe like 15 years or something like that, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Yeah, that was that was uh, something that's been, you know, um, in the in all the uh, the books that I've read and the other uh, documentaries that I've watched about it. Uh, it did start kind of in the 50s uh, originally, and then it spread up into the, the 70s when it reached kind of a reached its peak, basically, is uh, what this movie's about. Um, but it had started before that. And, and, uh, and going back to that, you know, um, when you have those fishermen and, and people hunting, like you said, they're the ones out in the woods all the time. So they are the ones that are going to have those experiences. Apparently, uh, those are all the the ones that are the most skeptical too, because you'll hear it later on in the movie. The and, and we can talk about that when it comes up. But there's another gentleman out there that he's like he's lived out there all his life, and he, you know, I have never seen it. I don't believe it's real. Yeah, that scene's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm gonna definitely want to talk about that one. That was a really really interesting scene because again, they they show this guy living out in the middle of nowhere, and I mean out in the middle of nowhere and basically just living off the land and he's out there and you know to my knowledge that's that's a real dude that's living out there that wasn't part of the you know movie you know production or anything like that that was a real guy living out there it's like man if that guy didn't see or hear anything then how are you supposed to you know what i mean he's definitely somebody that you would think would see or hear things because he's just so out there and away from you know the rest of uh the town (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's i mean uh, this is just me, but you know, I don't know how anybody. I mean, I'm on campus and everything. I don't know how anybody can live like that. Like you said, that guy lives like on a grassy knoll in the middle of the swamp, and people come by to see him, or you know, they have to be in a boat. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. I couldn't do that, man. There's, there's no way I could. That's pull a that. little. <laughs> that's a little too much. Maybe when I was younger, how's that? Yeah, that's that's a little too off the grid for me. But uh, well, here's uh, there were a couple of parts in here that, again, especially when I was a little kid, really scared me. So there's a scene where we see a woman and her baby and maybe her younger sister and they're at a home alone, you know, and they hear this howling and, uh, you know, it's just wow. They look out the window and see this shape of this thing. And that's a really, you know, frightening scene because, you know, you figure it's just two ladies alone by themselves and with a small child a, a baby there like that's a really really frightening scene i thought that that was done pretty well oh yeah that one uh and i do believe that one was the the cersei family if i'm not mistaken yeah mm-hmm. 
that's the one that was that was around Jonesville as well, um, and totally. Uh, uh, I don't want to say you know verified report, but that was the whole family reported this incident happened, uh, and like you said, the way it was shot, um, the way they have that, uh, you know, the the Bigfoot creature, the the Boggy Creek monster, kind of shambling out, off on the edge of the woods there, and she's looking out the window. And she kind of sees him, you know, coming in and she's not sure what what all she's seeing. Um, now, I I, uh, I didn't look that up to see which who that was playing that young lady, but she did a great job of, uh, you know, showing the fear through her eyes and uh, just her facial expressions like, what is that? And uh, but they the uh, the creature. And uh, the th- there was three guys that played the creature. Um, mm-hmm. and so all of them, I think, did fantastic, you know, job just for, you know, when you think about acting like, oh, well, that guy was just in a monkey suit. Well, if you put somebody in a monkey suit and they act like a monkey, then it's not going to be quite as scary. It's going to come off as silly. So there mm-hmm. has to be a little bit of that. You know, you have to have a little bit of uh, imposing uh you know, you have to be able to show that, you know, like uh, menacing through that that body language that they give off. So I think they all did. Mm-hmm. Great. And the girl, especially at the window, I think she did fantastic um, acting that scene out. Yeah, I think her name is Judy Baltum uh, is what I'm reading here. And, yeah, she did a really, really good job there. That was that was a great scene. And that was really the first like super scary scene of the film up until then you would see you know some people having sightings and stuff like that and i think pierce also did a great job too with up until just about the very end of the movie you didn't get a really good look at uh the falc monster you really just saw like shapes and it would be darker out and stuff like that and again i'm sure some of that was because the budget was not huge to have you know, really great special effects and costume and makeup and things like that. But that was really good. I think he did that really well. You know, it wasn't like I was watching the film and thought, oh, he's doing that because they didn't have the money. It, it, to me, he it seemed like he did that in my head, I'm thinking, because it made it more suspenseful and more scary. Yeah, and I believe, you know, another part of about the realism and, and putting yourself into that film is if, if you're out in the woods or even if you're at home, like in that scene, yeah, our vision is, you know, you're, we're usually focused on what's in front of us. And we have to, when you see something that you, um, you see something that's not supposed to be there and you see something that is like, you, you know, think of driving down the road and a deer walks out in front of you. Now, at, in the daylight, you still have to process Uh, I was actually coming over, a good example, I was actually coming over to Pennsylvania. I was on I-70, and I'm in, um, there's a part in there, uh, it's probably about 30 miles in uh, from the Ohio border. There is, there's a hill on this side, and there's nothing but concrete wall on this side of I-70. So Mm -hmm. you're in, there's no, you know, you're not going anywhere. There's no field to pull off into or anything. That deer came down off that hill. And he was right there in the middle of the interstate. <laughs> and he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and so we're all, luckily, I'm kind of in the front of, like, out in front of the pack here, that's so to speak. 
and I see him and it took me like, you know, I still had to like, is that a deer in the middle of the day standing out in the middle of the highway? Yes, it is. <laughs> so I have to slam on my brakes and I put my hazards on to get everybody else to slow because there's a big semi right next to me and right behind me. Uh, but anyways, my point being is when you see something like that and this girl portrays that really well, that's not supposed mm-hmm. to be there. And what am I looking at? And especially when it's dark, but he going back to your point and there's another couple of scenes where like the, uh, the monster just kind of across the screen like that. And you're like, what was that? You know, I saw hair and it was big. Um, or it's off in between the trees and you're like, well, what's that? You know, what's, what is that over there? So he did a great job and it goes back to that. Obviously this was before the fact, but uh, if we go, if we think back to it, uh, less is more. And, you know, the suspense, Alfred Hitchcock was famous for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of his films, the less, you know, the less you see, the more scared you are because what our brain produces is way worse than anything they can put on the film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I do love, I think it might be in the next scene where we see that, you know, young kid, I don't know, maybe he's supposed to be around 13 years old or something like that, where he's, you know, got his rifle and he's, you know, going after a deer and, you know, the monster kind of pops up and he shoots at it and runs away. That's another really good scene, you know, showing some, you know, really, really good, you know, fear and uh, anxiety, you know, moment for that kid there. And he's running even, you know, trips and falls on his way because you know you're in such a panic because like you said you don't know what's going on you're not expecting to see something like that and this was like in the middle of the day as well which like you said you see a you know a a deer or a bear or something like that comes out in front of you even in the middle of the day you do have that couple of seconds to process everything and be like wait what's going on here and then am i in danger so i can't even imagine seeing something like that (laughs) yeah he I, I love that scene because and it's almost uh, that kid. You see that kid running and he stops like at the first. It's like he's going, you know, he stops at the first set where the trees are bowed like this and there's an empty spot there. Mm-hmm. And and it sets up the scene perfectly because he like he runs up and he, he stops and he looks and there's nothing there. And then he runs up and he stops and he looks and he goes, oh, <laughs> there's a giant hairy monster right there and then you know like you said he he shoots at it and he falls down but that way he's that kid i love that scene i mean that's one there's two scenes in this movie that really well i'll say three but the two that really stick out is that one and and the one that'll come on later which is one of the most famous um scary scenes of any uh horror movie uh, that's been that's come along, you know, since that move since this movie came out. I mean, if you're a real, you know, if you've seen this movie, you know, you know you'll know what I'm talking about. The, um, mm-hmm. But that scene always that scene with that kid running through that wood. I think it was because mostly because if you spend any time out in the country or out in the woods, and you've been, you never know what you're going to come along, and, and and that's part of the magic of being out in the woods too. Is you never know what you're going to come come upon. You know, you don't know what you're going to stumble across. Hopefully it's not a seven foot tall, hairy <laughs> creature <laughs> screams at you and, and gives you nightmares for the rest of your life. But 
it's just, yeah, it's a great the way he set that up. Like I said, that first part of nothing there. And then you come over here and there's something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Like, and like you're saying too, even just, uh, you know, people that go hiking and just being outdoors in general, when you get to that point where you start going on a hike and you turn around and you can't see anything, but you know, uh, woods for miles on end in any direction, there's always kind of a little bit of, uh, uh, uncertainty because, you know, like you said, Hey, you know, if you're in bear country or you're, you know, it just, there's a, a multitude of things that could be out there that even if you're prepared for, can be, you know, very unnerving or even kind of scary. And yeah, that's, that's all. They definitely capture that in this film. And obviously with, uh, you know, the Falk monster as well, that's the, the, the driving force behind it. But I think they, uh, they do a good job of portraying that too. And like I said, even if you just think about it and think, Oh, I'm going to go hiking. Okay. Well you go hiking somewhere you get too far in there and you can't get back out. That's a pretty frightening uh, thing, isn't it? Oh yeah. And and that's, um, people think that I shouldn't say it that way. Um, there's a misunderstanding sometimes about getting, you know, if you go into the woods and, you know, things are well marked or, you know which way you're going or you can tell by the sun or you know all these all this stuff but you can you know i i tested this theory very simply you just go to a, a spot that you're not familiar with and and go out and walk walk 50 feet into the woods and i don't, I don't mean you know because there's no trails so there's you got to go in you got to kind of weave around trees you got to you get turned this way if you're like where we live in ohio and pennsylvania and you go through woods, you're going to encounter a bunch of briars. And at some point, you're going to have to divert like way around unless you want to go through there and get, you know, cut up like, you know, shredded cheese. But you get diverted and twisted around. And, and by the time that you, you know, like get to the top of this hill that maybe you were trying to get to, you're you're like way off where you started, like as far as a straight line goes. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's easy twisted around it's easy to get turned around again you don't know what you're you're gonna uh, you don't know what you're gonna find and when you do get twisted around like that and you have no idea where you are that idea that you i mean it's terrifying that you're like i don't know where i'm at um mm -hmm. that's that's a scary thought yeah absolutely and um yeah so after this the 13 year old kid has this encounter uh, you know, the, the, the town kind of realizes, hey, we've got some there, there's, you know, something to this here. Let's 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 organize and let's go out and look for this thing. And they do. And nothing comes of it. And I did like the part where and again, this is really good, too, because the, the narrator is uh, in the background telling you, you know, all the communities organizing and they're going out. And they have this search party and there's, you know, some media talking about all this. And they bring all these uh, prized hunting dogs from all around but none of them want to go out into the woods and look for this thing. And it's, it's cool. I really like that part a lot. Yeah. And the actual, uh, going back to using real actors, uh, the dogs, some of the dogs in this scene were the actual dogs that they used when they went out to look for the Falcon monster. They used those same dogs. And, uh, yeah, the dogs, there were several of the dogs that when they caught scent of whatever they caught scent of, they would not even go. 
and uh if it, you know if you know those dogs are trained to track um whatever it is they find you know they track by scent and they're supposed to go after anything and and these dogs are like nope not gonna not gonna do it uh they put their tails between their their legs and and wind and wouldn't go um but yeah that's a it's kind of a neat and it, it, it going back to uh you know as far as storytelling goes it goes back to the the kid coming into the you know the shop and talking to the old men they're finally you know believing it and they're finally they finally had enough of it so it's time to go and, and look for it um classic monster chasing scene if you're grab your pitchforks and your uh torches because we're going <laughs> after him <laughs> yeah yeah and it's funny too because the, the narrator does say a, at a couple points that uh some of the people had sightings or encounters and didn't report it because they didn't think anybody would believe them but i think you know once all this uh, springs into action you know we definitely had some people saying yeah i've seen it too that's and everybody was like oh you have and you have not just you know some 10 12 year old kids you know some you know adults that say they had seen it and had encounters and stuff like that and everybody like you said you know they they, uh, they go out to look for it but i do like to at this point the narrator does make a point to say that up until this point, people uh, had these encounters and saw it and all this stuff, but it was never aggressive. You know, it it never tried to hurt anyone, you know, or anything like that, other than, I guess, a couple of hogs. But that's it. But I, he does make a point to say that. Then, uh, you know, it just it, it stayed aggressive or it stayed non-aggressive. But then uh, they tried this like huge, like, you know, hunt after it. And then. uh kind of disappears for a few years and you know they the the narrator says they theorize it you know just went back deeper and deeper into the uh into the woods there just to uh you know get away from all that uh shenanigans because you know maybe it was intelligent enough that it knew it would get killed yeah they um uh, you know any kind of speculation i guess would be the word i would use uh about um any kind of uh the boggy creek monster any kind of bigfoot type creature is that they they do have a uh you know an advanced intelligence uh at least you know more than uh just a regular primate so uh i think that's a general consensus anyways and then uh Again, I'll go back to the storytelling. This is just, uh, it's a kind of a great, um, this part is a, a great break uh, to kind of go into telling the story of, like you said, it hadn't been aggressive in any way before. Um, and that kind of is, you know, good setup for what's, you know, going to come later on. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, they, uh, interesting it's it's kind of a uh it kind of lets your mind wander on you know what actually goes on so you know for this eight-year period you know what's actually happening um and i guess there might have been a few like here and there you know sightings but nothing on the level of what had been reported before yeah yeah and at this point um and and there's I think two parts in the movie here where you get just, uh, you know, camera shots and scenes of, you know, swamps and bogs and all this kind of stuff. And very, 
it, it almost reminds you like very much of like, you know, um, I don't know, like I said, who depends on who's listening to this, but like, you know, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, where you've got, you know, <laughs> sometimes sh- shots of just, you know, forest and, you know, all these different locations just of nature and stuff like that. And just the, you know, the, the animals, the wildlife and stuff like that there. But I love the actual shots, but my only shot, my only nitpick of the movie is not a huge fan of the music. <laughs> but. You know, yeah. I'm thinking to myself You're with done. a budget, yeah, with a budget of one hundred and sixty thousand dollars, I, I I try to think about it realistically and think, with that kind of a budget, there was no way Pierce could pay for the rights to have any kind of commercial music in it, or produce really good music. <laughs> so he really had his hands tied here. But yeah, that's probably the only part of the movie that I can like. Oh man, I guess I'll turn down the volume now and just watch the pretty pictures. <laughs> Yeah, that is, and that's that. I, yeah. uh, well, when we were talking about nitpicking earlier, that's that. This is the number one uh, thing right here is this music interlude. Um, like you said, it is. It was totally a budgetary thing, mm-hmm. and I believe it's Charles Pierce that just is playing the music and singing the song. He wrote the song. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I think he wrote all those songs. Um, there's another one. There's another one, like, shortly after this. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I honestly, again, it was any shortcomings this movie has. Again, when you look at the budget, y- you can completely understand. So then that's when you need to, like, you know, put on your hat and say, OK, I'm going to look at what I saw. And I'm going to look at the budget and well, what did, did he do the best or did he exceed? And to me, even with <laughs> those songs, the movie way exceeded the budget. And I don't mean just in ticket sales, but just in <laughs> what I think you can expect out of it for that amount of money. I think it very much exceeded that. Oh, for sure. And and I'll give him credit. He was like, well, I'm kind of stuck here. I need, I, I got to do something. And it's like, well, got to do it myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, he hadn't did it. So, that's yeah. part of that filmmaking process, I guess, is some points you just got to go with your gut, even if it might be sound silly, which mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially the version I was watching has got the lyrics down at the bottom. And oh boy, <laughs> I'm just like, it ain't Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like since they put out that uh, Blu-ray DVD combo, uh, what was that, a couple years ago? I feel like ever since they've put that out, it's been really tough to find this movie streaming, or at least legally. <laughs> it's It's been really tough where I feel before that was put out, you could find it everywhere. It was you know all over the place. I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was gonna I was gonna mention this at some point during uh, during this recording was you know when I first got Amazon Prime like I don't know, probably right after me and my wife got married so I'm gonna say seven years ago mm-hmm. uh, right after that if you got on Amazon and and looked for a Bigfoot movie there was like 500 Bigfoot movies and this was one of them that you could watch like. No problem. It was like the point where 
Like I watched it a couple of times just for nostalgia's sake. And then I'm like, oh, it'll be on here forever. And then, like you said, now you cannot find it. And and it has been since that that Blu-ray release that you there's no it's nothing and it's not on anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of those Bigfoot movies that were on Amazon, actually, you can find a bunch on Tubi now. Mm-hmm. Because I love Tubi, so you know I'll throw that out there for anybody who's listening and wants to watch more Bigfoot movies, go to Tubi. Um, and I would highly recommend if you're interested in. Um, Legend of Boggy Creek that you watch uh, the Boggy Creek Monster. It's by a company called Small Town Monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out all kinds of stuff. Uh, really good, high quality uh, documentaries about all kinds of cryptid things. So if you're interested in that, and this he's from uh, the guy that runs it. His name's Seth Breedslove. He's from Bolivar. Uh, he did a thing on Chestnut Ridge uh, over in Pennsylvania. Um, Mothman, Bray Road Beast up in Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. So, uh, if you're interested, those a lot of those movies are on TV too. So, yeah, I, I, you know, where I ended up finding this on a Roku channel. <laughs> that's that's where really I finding it. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple of channels on there that had it. I just went ahead and rented it on YouTube for like three bucks for three days or something yeah well originally (laughs) originally when you and i were talking about this you know uh, having a a, doing the podcast about this movie i thought "Ah, i'll just you know go on and buy a cheap copy from amazon or here or there and i'm like holy smokes all the 30 30 bucks for that (laughs) that that one they put out a couple years ago it's like man i thought it's got to be streaming somewhere and like i said it's you can find it streaming a couple places, but it's it's going to cost you. There's nobody that has it, you know, streaming for free right now. Yeah, and you know, at one time you could have found a, a DVD bin with this in it for a buck. Like yeah. they probably had like a you know truckload of them somewhere at Odd Lots or Sam's mm-hmm. Club, or something where you could have just bought, you know. Yeah, yeah. Go to the the. $5. Good luck on that. Yeah, five dollar bin at Walmart. Oh, I'll grab one. No, yeah, good luck. It's just there, it's just not around. But, um, you know, yeah. Hey, if I was putting out a, a DVD or a Blu-ray or you know restoration or something like that, trying to make some money, I wouldn't want any cheap copies floating around or any uh, <laughs> any services offering it for free either. I'd want everybody to have to come through me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it so. was kind of it's kind of neat that you mentioned that because it was it was fun to watch. I mean, it wasn't fun. It was bad for us, but it was neat to watch them pull it off of every kind of streaming service there was. And then mm-hmm. before they did the Blu-ray release. Yeah. So, and then we get to the part you and I kind of uh, talked about it for a second or two earlier there, where uh, we see uh, this Travis uh, go visit this guy, Herb that lives out in the, the out in the, the sticks. Like this guy really lives out there. This guy's living off the land in this like shack out there. Um, and he's the one, like you said, that's like, I've been living out here for, I don't know, he says 15 years or 20 years or something like that. And he's like, I've never seen or heard anything. So he's like, he don't believe, he doesn't believe in it at all. But um, yeah, that's an interesting scene because I'm thinking to myself, man, what does that guy do for fun out there, first of all? <laughs> you know, like, and then secondly, what does he do if something really bad happens? I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd want to be out. He says it's like, I'm trying to think of how many miles he says, 14 miles to the nearest road. So he needs to take a boat to 14 miles to get to a road. 
Yeah, and there's uh, there's an interesting part in there that uh, they mentioned it briefly um, that he's 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 had an injury. Uh, I can't remember how they said it exactly, but what happened was he was he was pulling his boat up onto his little you know whatever grassy knoll there <clears throat> where he lives, and he had his shotgun in the boat, and it fell over and shot him. He shot himself in the leg. And he literally had to crawl from his where he lived to the nearest. He crawled like I can't remember what it was. I think it's two and a half miles before he found help. So yeah. I'm assuming he found help. It was probably just somebody fishing or hunting or whatever. It wasn't like that's where the nearest uh, settlement was. Uh, so yeah, he. I mean, he just got lucky that day, and I don't know if he. You know, tied his own tourniquet. I'm, I'm assuming he did, or he would have probably bled out after crawling for two and a half miles. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. And then another interesting point about that. Um, so, uh, you know, would he, if he saw that, if he saw the creature, you know, would he want to tell everybody that, hey, oh, I see it like every day? Like, <laughs> Because then he, you know, he's, this guy is an old hermit that lives out in the, in the middle of nowhere. Think of Shrek, you know, get out of my swamp. So, <laughs> That's kind of how he is, yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, if he says, I mean, the guy was smart, man. I mean, he didn't, he didn't mention anything. And he had to have heard something, you know, you, all these other people are hearing this, you know, scream and holler. And he lives out in the middle of the middle in the thick of it. And, uh, yeah. The idea that he didn't hear or see something is kind of, I don't know. Um, I think he was smart, and he just was like, I'm not telling you fools. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you fools. I see this monster walking by my house every day. <laughs> As I'm down here freaking setting up camper. Yeah, it'll be bothering him. <laughs> yeah, so then it, the scene switches to a farmer's field, and a guy uh, found some... Uh, tracks in his field so this uh gets some uh press coverage some pretty good press coverage and they're out there and taking pictures and stuff like that but uh that's an interesting scene too as well i'm, I'm sure there was something in the, uh, the book you have about that right yeah and uh you know for anybody that's uh, interested in in crypto uh, any cryptozoology or you know just cryptids in general this is the one that um Kind of throws everybody off because this is these these tracks they found were three-toed tracks and it's hard to imagine a huge seven foot tall bipedal creature they was walking around with only three toes mm -hmm. uh, for you know if you're if you understand how bipedalism works your toes are really important to walking so i mean you would be that would obviously have some kind of effect on your how you would walk so um and i haven't really even the books and the other documentaries i've watched don't really go in uh, into a lot of that um i'd like to uh, talk to some of the people and i'm going to now after this because now i'm interested like what is the general consensus of this of this these three toes was it some kind of um was it a you know kind of a, a breeding thing is that why this thing only had three toes um i don't think there was 
from what I understand, there was no idea of, of it being a hoax as far as the tracks go. Mm -hmm. um, but I always wondered if it wasn't, and, and I think it was mentioned um, in one of, it was mentioned in one of the documentaries they saw about people that were asking if it was a crane. And uh, from what I understand, the, the, the track looks like almost like a human print, uh, mm -hmm. like a big, like a big footprint, if you you know, let's use that term. Uh, but it's only got three toes, so it just it's very strange that they would only have three toes. It's either very strange or very, um, you know, spot on to the fact that this creature lives in isolation. Perhaps it is a breeding thing that it's only got three toes. Um, I don't know, and, and it's now it, this is the one thing. Uh, you know, I'm really glad that you asked me to do this because now I'm going to ask uh, Cliff Berrickman and if I, um, or maybe even uh, Dr. Meldrum, because those are the two that are kind of the experts on, especially Dr. Jeff Meldrum. He's the, if you've ever watched a Bigfoot documentary, you've probably seen him on there. He's, uh, he's a uh, foot morphologist from Idaho State and, um, uh, kind of the leading expert in the Bigfoot field, uh, like the scientific big gun, as it were, as far mm -hmm. as uh, experts in the that actually believe in in the uh, phenomenon of Bigfoot. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and again, it, the movie kind of switches back into high gear here after that, you know, scene where, you know, you see a couple of people driving here and there and it runs across a road in front of them. But then there's a scene where uh, some kids come into the house and say, you know, oh, get grandpa. We saw a monster. And the mother is like, what are you kids talking about? And they take her out there and they're like, look, there's nothing. Or she looks at them and is like, look, there's nothing here. And then there it is. And that's a really scary scene, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one is uh, uh, that one's another one. Uh, you know, uh, I keep saying this, but they are almost all based on real stories um and the the that's another thing in in lyle's book he he researched all this stuff and all those stories that are in this movie and and uh without fail every one of them has a uh, he was able to contact people that that could that could verify the uh authenticity of the story anyways so this really happened these you know these kids are running in and and uh their name was their name jones maybe but those oh. kids were running in yeah and uh you know trying to find or yelling for grandpa and then they get mom out there um i always find it funny though you know it, it's not funny because of course this is what you would do they run back in the house and and we lock the door and uh this happens this kind of plays out later too uh in another scene that's coming right up but they lock the door and, <laughs> and it can't get in through the door you know bigfoot this giant monster <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna yeah we'll talk about that it's coming up too. on anything but there's <laughs> <laughs> yeah or at some point somebody's like put the chair under the door and i'm thinking uh you know i i, I think it just would kick the door right in like it was nothing <laughs> Not sure uh, the chair. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure the chair is going to help, but and and then I'll save it for a minute because 
there's another there's another scene that's kind of makes the door seem not quite an imposing obstacle for anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then we you know we get another scene too where we have these like three you know high school girls and they're kind of having like a sleepover and talking about you know this that and the other thing, and they can hear something you know outside of this trailer they're in, and I <laughs> I do love this too where. Uh, you know, you don't see it in every scene, but I did find it funny that, you know, it's just like, hey, we're in the South. Everybody down here has got the, you know, a rifle and a shotgun on the ready. So <laughs> they they immediately, once it starts pounding on the house and going crazy, grab a gun and start trying to load it. <laughs> These teenage girls. <laughs> yeah. And that one, uh, you know, I the reason I love this scene so much is because. If. I mean, this was in the 70s, so there's a lot of us. I mean, I stayed over at my friend's house, and we camped, and there was times when we would stay out, and uh, there's a place out here in um, close to where I live. It's called Wills Creek, um, and it's a big, long waterway. It goes from here all the way up into Guernsey County, and it's actually one of – this is kind of after the fact, but it's actually one of the waterways that many – of the local Bigfoot um, researchers think that um, the creature follows because they always say it follows the water. It even says this, says that in the movie all the time Mm -hmm. in this movie that he follows the Creek. Well, that's, that's a, that's been a Bigfoot trope for uh, as far as I know, they, that's what researchers will have always said. Obviously it's a large creature. It needs water. Uh, So it's always going to follow the waterways. So, as like said, uh, we had a camper out in the Wills Creek area, and it's just out in the middle of nowhere. So on in the on the weekends when we would stay out there, there's nobody there out there. So when you're having your buddies stay with you in the camper, and you're hearing stuff at night, you don't know what it is. I mean, there's when you know deer walk by and snort and make weird noises, or mm-hmm. if you ever heard a bobcat scream. Uh, it'll yeah. make you, it'll make you pee your pants. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, they mm-hmm. sound like it sounds like a, you know it's horrible sounding. So mm-hmm. uh, anything scratch. I mean, it could be a raccoon scratching at the door. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, that that kind of you know, like I said, it goes back to that. What is you know, it's better not to be seen because the the fear that our brains are coming up with is what you know. What is that? You know, that's way worse than. Uh, anything you can show me so yeah i think that's why that scene uh you know it works so well and it, and of course that shows like you said it shows the girls trying to get the gun and they spill the bullets all over the floor and uh the one girl screaming go away leave us alone and mm-hmm. yeah i do like to it it does switch then and kind of focuses in on this house that gets rented by two couples um, when they do have a couple of kids, too, where, you know, the, the, the guys will be out working for the day and the wives will be hearing something going on. But, uh, you know, everybody's kind of like, oh, it's you know, there's nothing really going on. It's not nothing's happening here. But uh, I do like how you, the, the film really gets into, you know, more. It almost turns into like a, you know, an action horror film here where instead of just like the documentary style type thing this reenactment you know these couple of scenes here towards the very end of the movie they get really wild with these guys you know and they're shooting shotguns at it and the creatures screaming and running around and stuff like that it really intensifies here at the end 
yeah it uh it's a it's a great third act um he really you know he pumps up the end like he set this as the grand finale you mm-hmm. know for the movie and uh, i i think it it's done really well uh what's really cool is reading in lyle's book there's a letter from um mrs ford in there mm-hmm. uh she wrote about the scene in the movie and it's scarier what she wrote like he toned it down for the movie yeah. as to what they really went through like it was scarier uh, what actually happened than what he put on the screen she uh because she mentions in there that she thinks there was two of the creatures there because it seemed like the one you know you keep showing the guys going out and shooting at it um and then she said when they would go out like after it like something else would seem to be coming you know to the other side of the house Mm -hmm. um she also mentioned that she thought it was after the dog because it kept trying to get in everywhere where the dog was Mm. so that was interesting too um because you can only imagine, like, the dog's probably barking the whole time. So every, yeah. every room they run into, like, try to hide or whatever, and the dog keeps barking. It's just drawing this other, you know, like I said, she's, she thought there was two of them. Like, one would take the hunter, take the men out that way, and then they, the other one was coming trying to get in the other way. So, you know, to me, that was just awesome. Like you said, it's... It, it really does kind of ramp it up and, and and to me it's a great third act and a great way to kind of tie everything together about all the stuff that was going on yeah and i think it, pierce did a good job as well showing that you know because up until this point you, you've seen a lot of hunters and trappers that had encounters but nothing really went down that you know uh you know there's no violence or anything like that and a lot of times it was kids or you know, some ladies or something and they're screaming and this and that. But you saw these men, they were scared too. He really did a good job of conveying their fear. Yeah, and it was uh you know, they it was Mrs. Ford's brother, the one that was physically assaulted by the creature outside. Uh he mm-hmm. really was he was in shock, you know, that was uh they took him to the hospital. Um that was another thing she wrote in her letter. There was no police escort. They threw the, they threw him in the car, and she said they ran every red light to get to the hospital um, in Texarkana, I believe, um, blaring the horn and everything. And he was he was she said he was coming in and out of consciousness the whole time because he was just screaming and trying to kick the doors out of the or the windows out of the doors of the car. Uh, so whatever he went through, uh, he, he was horrified. So I can't even imagine, you know, like seeing somebody in that state of shock. That's that's kind of um, intimidating by itself. So, like you said, he, he um, you know, he did a great job of portraying that fear throughout this whole uh, portion of the movie. Yeah, and then it's interesting because they said, you know, the two families were like, you know, oh, we're we're out of here. <laughs> So they pretty much took off and, uh, and not coming back anytime soon. And the, the the final scene in the movie here is interesting. You know, it has uh, uh, this guy, Jim, who, you know, uh, grew up there. That was, you know, like the kind of the narrator here uh, for the for the film. 
And he had some interesting things to say there at the end of the film. I like that. It kind of showed him like walking around and he finds this old barn and he's looking through it. And it's kind of a creepy scene there. It's in the middle of the day, but it's still kind of a creepy scene there because his narration with him walking around, you know, and talking about, you know, just basically like, you know, fear of the unknown. Uh, I like that last scene there. That's pretty good. How about you? Yeah. And, um, it, the, in the movie, they basically explain that he was that young boy running through the field mm-hmm. and he's come back home. And, uh, so that's kind of neat how they, you know, kind of do it, do the, uh, I don't want to say that's a, another trope, but it's kind of a movie trope. You know, this is where I grew up. This is what happened. And now I'm coming back and, uh, seeing how things have changed, but maybe how they haven't changed. And, um, is the monster still out there? And it, like you said, mm-hmm. it's, it leaves so many unanswered questions about, um, is the monster still there? Is these things still going on or is it going to happen again? Is it just another one of those times where, you know, things have been quiet and, and we're going to see something happen some more. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Really good way to, uh, to, kind of wrap the movie up and you know tie it in a neat little ball after yeah. the third scene yeah and i do like too how you know again the, the camera kind of pans around and you see some wildlife and stuff like that and then you hear that that scream that roar uh that's really really good i like that effect and i like how uh they use that to end the movie i thought it was you know a really good bookend with the first scene and the last scene there so, uh, yeah, great stuff, man. So anything else uh, you have to say about this one? Uh, you know, just in general, going back to what what we were talking about at the beginning is, you know, how this is kind of that, uh, this is the, the granddaddy of the Bigfoot movies and um, how it kind of spawned a whole bunch of uh, other movies that came along in the 70s. Um, the other one we were talking about, the creature from Black Lake, um, mm-hmm. uh, that was the other one we were gonna we were thinking about doing. And then uh, my favorite, which is uh, the one that uh, kind of explains so many other Bigfoot stories, is uh, Sasquatch: The Legend of Bigfoot, and that's the mm-hmm. one uh, came out in 1975. And and uh, for anybody not familiar with that, it's basically like a uh, they take a whole bunch of um, different skilled people into the woods they're going up into british columbia and they're they're trying to find where bigfoot lives to get proof of it um and it's kind of a docudrama sort of the way it's uh the way it's kind of made so you know this movie is responsible for all those classic um 70s bigfoot movies and some other movies i would add too you know mm-hmm. uh, that during that time a a lot of those um kind of horror movies that came along after that so not saying bigfoot started at all but i mean it was you know kind of right there at the beginning of the of the decade and you only have to look at all the rest of the 70s to see how many movies kind of uh pay a little homage to this one um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely pretty revolutionary i feel and like we said with what was the budget for the film versus what it made i think that shows why it stands out and after 
if you've never seen any of the films in this genre, uh, I would definitely recommend this one. And I would even say to start with this one, because uh, especially like you said, for everything that came afterwards, it kind of owes a little bit to this one, I feel as well. So, yeah, good one, everybody. Uh, get out there and see this one. So, um, all right. Well, how about uh, do you have any you were saying about the book uh, for a recommendation for sure? And then uh, I know you'd said about that show uh, coming up as well, uh, Mothman. Uh, are there any other shows you'd uh, you'd uh, recommend? Um. Yeah, well, first of all, like I said, I'll I will go ahead and plug Lyle's book again one more time. I told him I was going to. Uh, mm-hmm. This is his book, uh, The Beast of Boggy Creek, uh, came out a couple of years ago. But this thing is, if you want to know anything about this movie, any uh, about the movie or the legend of Boggy Creek, everything is in this book. I mean, it is fantastic, well written, and. Um, Lyle's a great guy. I mean, just an all-around uh, fun guy to talk to. Kind of a uh, renaissance man. He's you know in a band and makes his own hot sauce and things like that. So cool. he's got a lot of interest. But uh, like I said, that book is is fantastic. I mean, that is like a, a play-by-play book if you if you're really interested in the Boggy Creek monster. Uh, the other one, like I said, um, the production company itself is called Small Town Monsters, um, and the uh, the guy that runs that, his name is Seth Breedslove. Um, he uh, they make all kinds of really excellent. I mean, they are super high quality documentaries. There's lots of them on Tubi. Uh, the one that specifically. Uh, is simply called the Boggy Creek Monster. It's on YouTube. You can just uh, jump on YouTube and watch it for free. Uh, just punch in Boggy Creek Monster. It'll be the first thing that comes up. But they have so many other uh, excellent uh, videos for any cryptids. Uh, they have obviously Bigfoot. Uh, like I said before, the Bray Road Beast. There's excellent Mothman. A uh, couple of Mothman uh, videos and... Uh, there's one called Invasion of Chestnut Chestnut Ridge, which is over in Pennsylvania, which is uh, that was a big one back in the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s, where they had all kinds of uh, UFO, Bigfoot, um, monster. There was all kinds of stuff going on over there. And mm-hmm. to still to this day, it's a hot spot of uh, it's in eastern or in western Pennsylvania. It's a huge uh investigative site to this day so a lot of people go over there yeah and then uh, like you said there's even the falc monster festival down there it's uh, in arkansas and that happens every year it looks like it's usually in the in june sometime i think uh, june 18th was the one this past uh year here 2022 but yeah go yeah. check out these things man they're fun <laughs> oh yeah you can't uh um you can't beat any kind of stuff like um, going to the festivals. Um, if you can't make it down to Falk, I highly recommend coming over to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. And we have it in May. It'll be May 6th this year over at Salt Fork State Park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge turnout. You'll get to see um, uh, people, all the people on T, if you're interested in Bigfoot or cryptids and you see these people on television, just about every one of them will be here at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference in May. Um, 
And like I said, if you can't make it all the way down to Arkansas, this is a great stop um, just on the way. Uh, and you don't have to go. Obviously, it's not as far as Arkansas. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But we have a lot of good. Uh, there's a lot of great cryptid stuff around Ohio. Pennsylvania is just fantastic for it. It's something that, you know, we just now, uh, last couple of years, we've started getting over there more. And uh, realizing how many researchers are over there down into Virginia, uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, basically anywhere in the Appalachian Mountains is is prime uh, real estate for any kind of um, cryptozoology stuff. You just got to um, kind of keep your eyes open and uh, you can check out uh, our Facebook page is Crowtown Squatchers store and um, we've got a lot of stuff on there and I usually post um, as much stuff as I can for upcoming events, even ones that we're not going to be at. So uh, check it out. And if anybody wants to get any Bigfoot merchandise, they feel free to contact me either on Twitter or uh, my Facebook page or our Crowtown Squatcher store Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Shirts and toys and homemade stuff necklaces and magnets and all kinds of neat stuff like that so we delve into all kinds of things and we try to get out to as many of the conferences as we can so um bigfoot's been a you know kind of a hobby that i've was able to get back into here in the last 10 years and and it's just kind of spilled into this vending thing and i just like to get cool stuff out there for people to collect because as you can tell behind me i mean i have a few things Hmm. yeah right and then I, I will have all this stuff in the show notes as well you know a link to the facebook page and then uh for you on twitter as well uh, i'll have that all in there so uh, if anybody wants to give you a follow or check that out they can do so so uh yeah i want to thank you man thanks for being on here and doing this this is a lot of fun you know like i said i've I loved absolutely loved all these kinds of films you know, from when I was a kid up until now, and I can go back and watch them anytime, and I still have a good time with them. I definitely recommend them for anybody. Oh, for sure. It was a great, you know, it was a great time to grow up to have that uh, kind of. Uh, I hope kids today have the same kind of experience that we do when they get to see stuff like this, because uh, you can't, you know, you can't buy that kind of. Uh, ambiance and and you know just everything that these films have to offer even even I, I like watching the old uh you know it was nice to watch that new 4k version and uh see it all nice and cleaned up but man just watching it and thinking of you know watch the old eight millimeter with all the you know skips and clicks and hiccups in it and little <laughs> white spots that show up for no reason i mean that's kind of <laughs> uh that reminded i mean i was it it reminded me i was at a uh you know at a haunted attraction one time here in ohio and uh they played this movie like out on the side of the wall uh just as um just as you were standing in line for the to get into the haunted because it takes you like two hours to get into the haunted attraction Mm -hmm. so they played this movie and they played other they played like texas chainsaw massacre but I remember they played this one too, and uh, it was it was a treat because I mean it was like you know <laughs> you know you heard all the clicks and 
buzzes and whistles and and everything it was it was it was really cool yeah sometimes i like to see movies how they originally were made rather than cleaned up versions you know i I, as long as it's you know i can see what's going on it's not that terrible that i you know you know it's so dark that you can't see certain things sometimes in uh, some films that were you know made on the budgets they were but i like seeing them the way they originally put out best oh yeah all right, John. Well, again, thank you. I appreciate this, man. I appreciate you being on. So uh, uh, definitely going to, uh, you know, hey, maybe we'll kick something around for uh, later down the road as well. You know, maybe another kind of uh, film in the genre here. You never know, right? Hey, I'm all for it. I had a, I had a great time. This was a blast. So um, I really appreciate you asking me to do this because I'm overwhelmed. Um, with uh, gratitude, I re- I really say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, absolutely, man! I appreciate you being on. Yeah, to be able to talk about stuff that you love is just you know that's that's just cool. <laughs> no other, it's just fun. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, once again, thank you, and uh, I'm going to cut out here real quick, and then come back in in a minute to wrap up the show. Stay tuned. Okay, everybody that wraps up this episode once again i want to thank john for being on the show really good guy i'm definitely going to get him back on to talk uh, some more cryptids and you know crazy movies like that in the future so definitely uh, look out for that and definitely give him a follow on twitter and you know check out uh, i'll have some of uh, his uh, appearances where he goes to shows and you know does some cool cons and he's got some cool merch and all that stuff and it'll all be in the uh, show notes as well if you want to take a look at any of that stuff all right take care everybody